bottom line is insurance companies don't want to pay, and it's your job to make sure that they do. Welcome to the Claims Clinic. Why don't you have a seat and show me where it hurts? Are you feeling depreciated? Has your ACV policy left you with a self-insured penalty? Having trouble with your GPP? Don't worry, you'll be just fine. The doctor will see you now. Thank you, Nurse Natalie. And thank you for coming to the Claim Clinic. This is Andy McCabe. I'm your claim doctor. I'm coming to you live today from the headquarters, or at least the Northwest headquarters of Work Truck Direct. They're a national supplier of work trucks, extraction equipment, truck mount equipment, and they do financing in-house, which makes everything better. So uh, check them out today at worktruckdirect.com. Otherwise, we're doing a little something different today and doing some video. So for y'all that found me on YouTube, you can see this on YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, Claims Delegates YouTube channel. Uh, otherwise, today we've got Mike Capelli on with Metro Public Adjusters. I'm really excited to grill him, uh, get to the bottom of, of what makes a good PA and a bad PA, and and uh, maybe maybe a little bit how we can all work better together. Well, hope you're all doing great. Let's get right to it. All right. This is Andy McCabe. I'm your claim doctor. Thanks again for coming to the claim clinic. I have on the line Dr. Mike Capilli. How you doing, Mike? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Mike is a public adjuster with Metro Public Adjusting out of Orlando, Florida. Is that correct? Well, I, I work in Orlando. Our head office is in Pennsylvania. Okay, perfect. Mike, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell everyone uh, how you got started in public adjusting and uh, what your background is? Well, um, uh, in my former occupation was a chiropractor, and that's a whole other show to explain how I got into public <laughs> adjusting. But um, a very good friend of mine who is actually the president of Metro Public Adjusting, um, uh, one day I went to him and I asked him about public adjusting. And it wasn't something I was looking to do long term, but I was looking to fill my time. Um, but when I started it, I liked it. Mm. And it gave me a lot of things that being a chiropractor couldn't, such like, you know, you're always on call as a doctor. Uh, you know, mm. public adjusting, you can set your own schedule. You can go when you want. You can do as much work as you want to, as little as you want to. And uh, it just, it, it always resonated with me and was easy. So that's how I got started in, I started actually in 98. Okay, 1998. There's a lot of water guys out there that are jealous of that not on call there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've been on call for the last 20 years. Uh, this, so it becomes a way of life. Nature of the business to do that. Nature of the business. So you, how long have you been in Florida? Uh, I've been in Florida for three years. Um, I had previously lived in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and uh, I moved down here with my family a few years ago, and I'm right outside of Orlando. Perfect. Okay. Tell me about Tell me what the, the public adjuster's version of public adjusting is. Well, how would you define the, the profession and what you guys do on insurance claims? Well, we help home and business owners um, that have uh, damage to the property that's covered by insurance uh, to do two things. Number one is make sure the insurance company treats them fairly, but probably more important that we get them paid fairly. Mm-hmm. Make sure they're paid Fairly. Now, I know some, 
adjusters might say that means you're blowing up the claim. You're you're inflating the claim beyond where it reasonably should be. What would you be? What would be your retort to that? Well, um, you know, I can appreciate them thinking that type of thing um, because uh, I'm sure a lot of people think that. Um, but we use the same estimating programs as everybody else does and uh, but we're looking at the whole claim much many times i think what will happen is a insurance company adjuster will only look at what's damaged they won't appreciate the rebuild portion of mm. it mm. and uh, and that's where everything comes and and to give you a real uh uh the uh, concrete example sure. is if you had a fire and it was in the dining room and it burned up the chandelier Yes, of course, they'll pay for the chandelier, but they never offer to pay for the bulbs. And Isn't and, that the truth? Yes. And so, so, yeah, we're more complete with that presentation because we have to be, as a public adjuster, we have a fiduciary responsibility okay. to the client to make sure that happens. That's our, that's our, uh, our uh, good mark of what we do and how we do it. I I think, and, and I'm going to put my opinion, I'm going to insert my opinion, obviously. This doesn't speak for Mike, out, everyone out there. Uh, I've had, uh, I think people get pissed off. Adjusters in general get pissed off when you are more detailed than they are because they feel like you're being shown up. A couple of years ago, I started putting in light bulbs. There's an Xactimate line item for light bulbs. I'm going to use it. Well, adjusters would just rag all over me. Hey, what are you doing? That comes with the light. And I said, no, no, it doesn't. Read the, read the description and just get all bent out of shape because I caught something that they didn't. Well, um, I try to, uh, I look at, come into the adjustment and, and oftentimes if I have a good relationship with the insurance company adjuster or the IA, um, they appreciate the fact that I'm going to do most of the work or have already done most of the work. Hmm. And, and during the initial inspection, we discuss the scope. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, uh, I don't think uh, um, that I know they don't like it because, you know, everybody says that our claims are higher. But the bottom line is an insurance company will not pay you one dime more than what they owe. And if they're paying it, they owe it. Mm -hmm. And they know that. And I think most people in the insurance industry uh, want to be as complete as possible, especially the IAs who are literally making a percentage just like us on the amount of the claim. Okay. If they're paying it, they owe it. I like it. Right. I like it. So have uh, just so everyone out there knows, I am a licensed adjuster in the state of Oregon. Oregon doesn't differentiate between uh, IA and PA, so technically I'm an independent adjuster and a PA, but I just don't practice it because I'm no good at it. Uh, I'm really good at Xactimate. I know what I'm doing there, so so I'll stick to what I'm good at. Um, have PAs earned their bad boy reputation in the restoration industry? Well, um, if you if you ask that question with the insurance industry, I would say yes. In, in the restoration industry, um, uh, again, I, I like to come from a uh, uh, an area that we're there to help each other, and okay. I know a lot of um, 
restoration contractors and regular contractors and mitigation experts like to do their own exactimate. But, be, you know, because you're, and, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to suggest, and I'm, I believe that you are an expert in exactimate. Oftentimes what can happen is you get paid properly for what you're supposed to do. Mm. And plus, I don't have to bend to the uh, insurance company rules that, um, you know, we're not paying for that, we're not paying for this, because I'm also, I know the policy and I know what they should pay for. So I believe it's synergy with the restoration people. But I'm sure, um, you know, they want to get in there, they want to do their work. I'm sure they want to do it as the best of their ability and they want to get paid. And I think our bad boy uh, reputation comes from the claim process slows down when we're involved and that, sure that definitely is that definitely is a fact and um maybe that's more accurate okay yeah and that's that's every time i've seen it uh, i've been involved in good situations with public adjusters and in adversarial situations and it doesn't matter it just makes the process go longer but that also means the process is more complete right i hope so yes, yeah i would we, agree with it. we would hope so i want to touch on i want to back up a little bit about uh, something you just said uh, insurance adjusters and carriers and TPAs in particular, they have this thing, we don't pay for that. What right. is a good response, uh, something that is legitimately in an estimate that needs to be done, but their, quote, rules say they don't pay for that? What's a good response a contractor can come back with? Well, I'll tell you what I say. Um, there's no such thing as rules. Sometimes they say we don't pay for that. And, right. and I heard that a hundred times before I finally figured out to uh, what the response should be. And you, <laughs> all your audience is more than welcome to use it. Okay. I look at them and I go, well, what can you pay for? Ooh. <laughs> because and that's, that's not fraudulent when you say something like that. Oftentimes they'll volunteer, well, I can pay for this and this, but our company just doesn't allow me to pay for that. That mm. is, quote, unquote, their rules. And I didn't use quotation marks like you do, but we all understand that. Yes. So okay. uh, that, that's the thing to say. Well, what can you pay for? One of my next blog articles is going to be, there are no rules. Because right. really, it all comes back to the policy, right? There's no, there's no state rules that say how you should adjust a claim. There's just policy language, correct? Correct. And that they should adjust the, the claim in good faith to that policy language. I believe most misunderstandings uh, arise from interpretation of policy language. And I can see how new people on both sides of the industry fence um, can be kind of overwhelmed by some of these things. Mm. And, and oh, yeah. if you'd like, I can give you a perfect example. Sure. A friend of mine who's a PA uh, moved his stuff uh, from uh, Center City, Philadelphia to the suburbs. And during the move, uh, some things fell over and broke. And um, th that straightforward is a transportation claim. And even uh, renter policies pay for that. Mm -hmm. But, for whatever reason, he wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking of falling objects. And the State Farm <laughs> adjuster said, no, it can't be a falling object. It has to come through a roof or wall and, and damage the inside in order to be covered under falling objects. Hmm. And he went back to said, well, it says here that in a dwelling, it doesn't say anything about when it's in a truck. 
And um, the State Farm supervisor called him back and said, you know something, you're right, we're going to pay it. There you go. So it does have something to do with knowing the policy language. And, and But we're going to talk about this, of course. But um, you, as a, as a contractor, as a restoration contractor who's not licensed as a public adjuster, mm. you're going to have trouble saying that to an insurance company. Oh, yeah, that's exactly where I where I got into trouble before I got my license. Um, I was doing the same thing I was doing for 15 years up until that point, was writing Xactimate estimates. And then I switched out. I wasn't working for a contractor anymore. I was writing estimates freelance. And then I got the call from the state insurance investigator, you are, you are breaking the law. You are practicing UPA. Yeah, you know, what is what is UPA, Mike? UPA is the unlicensed practice of public adjusting, which insurance companies use uh, um, on a lot of people in your industry to stop them from negotiating on a claim. Yeah, it just shuts <laughs> them down. Right. And you, um, if you didn't know, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that you were reported uh, to the state by the insurance company. <laughs> oh, I'm, I guarantee it. Guarantee it, because they did. I I know too much. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it's a legal way for them to shut you down. Yeah. And I got, so I went and got my license uh, and they can't say that anymore. Correct. They can't because you're legally allowed to do that. So my question, my question to you is if I had to go get my license to do what I do, why don't all contractors who do this on a daily basis have to be licensed in some way? Well, that's an interesting question, but let's step back two steps here. Sure. And that the problem occurred because of the insurance companies, not because of the contractors. The The insurance companies were working with contractors. They were taking your estimates. Mm-hmm. They were paying you in good faith. And then all of a sudden, when they realized how much money that they were paying out, and, and you got to remember, they track everything there. <laughs> They know before the contractor we were paying ten thousand. After the contractor we were paying fifteen. Yep. Okay. The and severity it, went up. Yes. Right. As soon as they realized that somebody made a decision in the claims department that we're not going to work with contractors who do any of that, and this <sighs> is how you shut them down. Um, that that's that's number one. Dirty. Uh, but uh, unfortunately. Um, most states, and I believe there's 45 states that have laws that license public adjusters. There's just a couple that don't, um, but you can still do it in every state except for Alabama. Alabama's provisions say that you can't adjust a claim unless you're an attorney or insurance company personnel. Wow. But every other state, and that will change soon because we're, we're working on that from a national level. Sure. Right? But that will change. But most states, when they have these laws saying that only public adjusters can negotiate on behalf of policyholders, they also have a provision. And the provision can say one of two things. Um, for instance, Ohio, you're not allowed to be a, chiro- uh, a chiropractor. <laughs> you're not allowed to be a contractor and a public adjuster. You actually have to sign in that to, uh, uh, a document that says you're not going to do it. That's the most severe Wow. Um, but commonly what happens is uh, they say that you can't be an adjuster and a contractor on the same claim until the claim has been adjudicated. Once mm. it's finished, 
then you can do that. So, so you're, you're adjusting it after the fact, after the repairs are done? Well, or? things happen. You're allowed to do emergency repairs. Okay. You're allowed to stop the loss from occurring and mitigate uh, any further, further damage. damages. Yep. Then you have to adjust the claim. You have to settle it, and then you can pick up where you left off. And do the repairs Yes, as, as a contractor. I see. Yes. Okay. Very or, interesting. Another thing that you could do is um, if you're a larger company you or, or even if you're a smaller company on a case-by-case basis, you can hire a public adjuster or work with a public adjuster so that you can do that. So um, there's an arm's length there, but you're still working in hand-in-hand in right. hand going down the same direction. That's what I would prefer. Um, me personally, I, I don't know what, I can't speak for the rest of the profession, but I think that um, we have to work together. Sure. I mean, there is a common enemy, unfortunately, and that enemy is the insurance companies. Yeah. So how does a contractor work with a PA without, without pissing off the carrier? You get a lot of contractors out there that, that have a mix of, of program work that comes direct and, and work they go get on their own, uh, independent or retail work. How does someone like that who wants to, you know, I guess, protect their reputation, for lack of a better term, work with a public adjuster without, without getting painted with the same brush? That's a difficult question because mm. I would think that um, uh, I don't know um, much about the inner workings of your industry, but my guess would be that if you were an insurance company vendor, they would have you sign some type of non-compete agreement and that agreement might include that you don't um, adjust claims uh, with that particular company. Mm. The only problems where I think most people are going to run into is with State Farm and Allstate because they are the largest insurance carriers. Uh, they some they have together have about 45%. And then you have those 180 um, claims uh, companies that do all the rest, okay. the travelers, the nationwide, the fireman's fund. Um, uh, those type of things. Um, and, uh, and it, it, you would, you would work the same way, um, that you would if you got a retail customer, um, that, uh, if that retail customer and you were having dif- difficulty, you would tell the customer to maybe you should hire a PA. And hopefully you already have a relationship with somebody that you can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think, Outside of that, and remember, we talked a little bit prior to this call that there's not a whole bunch of PAs. I mean, there's not one in the grand PA, scheme of things. No, right? There's one PA for maybe a thousand contractors, and um, and I think most of them uh, try to just like you do, try to be as forthright and upright in your business that they also try that. And if you're working with somebody that doesn't want to work with you or is difficult, well, you know, next time, sure, um, don't buy from. Yeah, there's a uh, how does a how does a contractor find a good PA? Uh, I've worked with several here in Oregon, and frankly, my last experience with a public adjuster was abysmal. Uh, okay. The guy was a complete jerk, uh, and and that tainted my view on oh, I get, this must be how all public adjusters are. They they turn my back, you know, they they turn their back on me and. and public conversation and just treat me like dirt and call me and yell at me on the phone. Well, that's, that's not something I want. Uh, so how does someone find a good public adjuster who, uh, 
who was not going to be a jerk, I guess. Well, firstly, I apologize for that because I believe most people, most public adjusters aren't like that. Well, it's not your fault. So yeah, this is probably a one-off. Yeah. I I represent the industry through a, uh, a national organization called the American Association of Public Insurance Adjusters. That's one of the things you can go to aapia.org and you can look for a referral. Got um, it. We have a code of ethics um, um, that we um, are uh, sworn to. And also there's another national association, the National Association of Public Insurance Adjusters. They've been around a little bit longer and they also have a code of ethics that their clients should be um, going by. And uh, uh, those, uh, I, I would say that, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, you'll be working with a good guy. All right, Mike. Well, thanks. This is, uh, this is going pretty long. I don't want to go too long for our folks, but okay. can you touch on United policyholders? Do they, are they effective as an entity? Are they, are they a legitimate force for, for policyholders on a national level? Um, well, I, they certainly are for policyholders in California where their home base is. Um, okay. Um, whether or not they're effective, I know that they actually put teams of one or two people together when there are uh, catastrophic losses. And I know that they've been to Colorado. I know they went to Oklahoma and they've set up shop. Whether they're effective in that, um, I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, from our standpoint, from from a PA standpoint, I, you know, they're there. How long are they staying? You know, are they doing all the right things? Um, I don't know, but uh, in general, I think that they're good. Okay. Um, be- because people, you know, again, people don't. There's so little public adjusters out there, and uh, you know, in the catastrophic loss where there can be hundreds and thousands of claims, uh, even if we flew everybody in, there's still way too many claims to handle. So how would someone, uh, would you recommend this is something, uh, an industry being a public adjuster? Is that, how easy is it to get into? Well, it depends on the state. Um, uh, for the most part, it's fairly easy to get into, uh, especially if we're talking to people in your audience that already have a background that okay. know estimating and that type of thing. But more importantly, how to put things back together mm. properly. And uh, it usually only requires um, some pre-licensing education, 20 or 40 hours, um, taking a test. And uh, uh, we also ha- are required to have surety bonds uh, in varying amounts. It can be from 1000 to 50000 depending on the state. Mm. And But after that point, I think the most important thing that you have to learn and you should pair up with somebody who does it is how to deal with the insurance company, how to speak their language so that you can be effective. Mm -hmm. And um, just going out there and not knowing policy language and trying to deal in an adversarial way with the insurance company is probably not the initial way that you need to go. Sometimes... You know, there's a reason why they have concealed carry um, licenses, and uh, sometimes you might need to resort to that, but uh, I'm just joking, <laughs> of course. But I think that um, for the most part, if you go in open, uh, your your goal is to assist the policyholder and get them the best settlement you can. Sure. And that, and that, takes, that takes some trying, whether mm. you're a uh, contractor, 
uh, in the industry or whether you're an adjuster in the industry. Uh, you know, uh, one thing we didn't mention, many public adjusters are former company adjusters. So, um, yeah, they know, you know the policy language inside and out. Right. And, and they already have a relationship with a lot of these people. Mm. So the one thing you don't want to do is burn your relationship with anybody. Uh, because if you screw around with one person, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's going to hurt you in the long run. This is a small industry. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's 400 billion in losses or whatever it is every year, but it's still small. It, right. The word gets around. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Do not burn bridges if you can at all avoid it. Where do, Mike, where do you see this industry going? Uh, adjusting, not just adjusting, but the insurance repair industry going forward? Well, um, they, they need us. Um, no matter what they do, their big thing and their marketing program is you know, you're in good hands, you know, uh, like right. a good neighbor. Good neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, unfortunately, they can't handle all the business. No. One thing we know next year that we uh, that will change, there'll be more properties. And um, we know that there will always be losses. Um, approximately 11% of policyholders, both residential and commercial, will have a loss this year. 11%. I was using right. seven, but okay. Yeah. 11. And that's a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately, insurance companies hold those numbers tight, but hey, um, we know that $400 billion, if you just said that, hey, each loss is $20,000, um, i am no mathematician, but that's a lot of claims. That's, that's too many claims for, right. for really and, to get handled properly, yes. Right. And they need to partner uh, with people in your industry so they can effectively get those claims mitigated and handling, get the insureds um, back to pre-loss condition as quick as they possibly can. Okay. Uh, and um, that's where I see it going, that there has to be um, openness and there has to be cooperation on both sides of the fence. And I, I go to a lot of industry events, one of the ones I just went to, here in the southeast is Windstorm Network. Um, I saw that on LinkedIn. Yeah, they're very good, um, and, and they're a very good um, organization that um, that brings everybody in from the insurance company side, public adjusters, independent adjusters, contractors, um, bankers. They, they're open to everybody, and part of that is to foster uh, those feelings. Hmm. The best thing about them is you get a good appreciation of the insurance company, um, especially when you're talking to their attorneys. Uh. And, and they're not, you know, I, I like to I like to liken it to uh, if you've ever seen somebody wrongfully convicted of a crime. The prosecutor never says, "Oh boy, I'm sorry." We shouldn't have done that to that guy. He wasted 15 years of, in prison. They always no. say the same thing. They say, well, he was convicted with the evidence we had at the time. And, and they never go back and say, but so you would expect an insurance company personnel, whether they be an attorney or an adjuster or a claims handler, that they're going to tow the company line. Yes. Okay. But, um, and that's the first thing they're going to do. And they've been taught to say no. If you understand that going into it, you know that there are other ways. Like I told you, well, what can you pay for? Yep. And, and then you work to that. And then it, it's, it's not a bad idea to buy them lunch. If they'll if accept it. Them. Yes. 
And if they don't accept it, you know, you can accidentally drop a 20 on say, hey, I'm going over here to have lunch and uh, you should join me. You know, I'm not saying do that, but, you know, if foster a good relationship with them, you know, those guys get, you know, you know what it's like to deal with a, a customer and they're not yes. all nice. Okay. And- and let's let's be frank. Frontline adjusters do not get paid well for what they have to put up with. No, they do not. And anything you do to make their life a little bit better um, would be helpful. Also, um, I should say um, as we close up here, I don't know if you want to close up, but um, there are industries. Uh, uh, IICRC, you should be getting your certifications because the insurance industry is recognized them. Hmm. Uh, is recognizing them. Um, and so if you go into situations with knowledge, um, whether it be fire restoration or water mitigation, and you're certified, uh, it's much easier to deal with these people. Uh, as a side story, somebody said to me a couple of years back, they said, Mike, are you exactly mean certified? And I said, no. And then they said, you should get it. And and the reason why people should get Xactimate certification um, is not because you can boast to your friends, but mm. they have Xactimate certification. Okay. And as long you know, if you, you know, uh, if you're playing pro tennis, um, both players have to be at the higher pro level, or mm. one's going to get creamed. Okay. And that's what happens. So you want to at least step up to the plate with the same amount of uh, of education. And reputation, um, because it doesn't matter who you are, they're going to think you're bad, mm. no matter what. <laughs> you might as well just go in with that, just knowing that. I see. Right. Well, Mike, how? What's a good way for folks to get a hold of you, and uh, how can how can the Claim Clinic Nation support you and 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 your life going forward? Well, I appreciate that. Whatever I can do to help you guys, um, I have a website, um, michaelcapilli.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. We'll link to that. I-L-L-I. And uh, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And and since I'm also on the board of directors of the Florida Public Adjusting Association, um, I'm I'm willing to help. Um, I understand that it's, uh, you know, unfortunately in social media, people think that, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. No, we're here to help each other. Just like you reached out to me. I liked sure. you. I read your stuff all the time. We reached out a couple of times. You said, Mike, you know, I can't read this on a mobile device. You know? yep, yep. <laughs> so I, I did what I could do to get it fixed. And, uh, but uh, anything I can do to help. Um, Great. I have licenses in almost half the states. And, and I'm very familiar with the laws as they apply to adjusting across the country. So I'm available to help you. You can Perfect. reach out by phone or you can you can uh, send me an email now if if folks get a hold of metro and and like what they see there how many states can metro help help folks and contractors we're licensed uh, to do business in every state that requires one and remember oh. that uh, remember that alabama has that weird law that you okay. have to be an attorney um but um metro um call to give them a call we're willing to go just about everywhere where we don't have general offices. Perfect. All right, y'all, I would recommend uh, you look up Mike Capilli on, on LinkedIn. I, I enjoy, I read every single article you post. Uh, you've got a great blog going on with some really, really in-depth stuff. Um, some stuff I don't want to hear, 
but it's good for me to read. Uh, makes you a better adjuster. Makes me a better, well, it just makes me a better contractor, makes me a better estimator and, and just a better voice out there. So I'm not talking out, uh, out the wrong end as it were. Um, Thank you. Sometimes. So, um, Mike, do you, yeah, any parting shots? Um, this, this show is focused on folks that, that don't have a deep background in restoration and, and are trying to get started. Any good advice for, for contractors or mitigation guys are just getting started? Well, uh, be careful. Um, we talked a little bit about what um, insurance companies are doing. Um, get educated on the things like if you're doing water media, uh, mitigation, get the IICRC certification as a, as a water damage tech. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple hundred dollars, a couple hours of your time, it puts you on a more sure footing when you're dealing with the insurance company. If you're doing fire restoration, get their fire restoration tech certification Got it. so that you know what you're doing uh, when it comes to that. If you're a carpet installer, they have carpet um, a certification, mm-hmm. um, reach out and get those things. If you're not Xactimate certified and you're using Xactimate, at least get level one certification. Mm. I believe that's easy to do. You have to show Xactimate that you know how to spell Xactimate and they <laughs> give you a level one certification. <laughs> but you should get one and two, but everything you do is, is helpful for you. Sure. If you're a larger company and you have estimators doing this for you, make sure that your estimators are certified. Yeah. And I think you'll have a, a, a lot easier time when it comes to that. But, um, you know, the bottom line is insurance companies don't want to pay, and it's your job to make sure that they do. Awesome. Mike, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's gonna, It's been Thank a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing our conversation online right. going forward. All right. Thanks a lot, Andy, for having me. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This week's episode was brought to you by the 24-Hour Tech Training Manual. If you want to revolutionize your water mitigation processes to make more money, document losses professionally, and train your water technicians in just one day, you owe it to yourself to check out the 24hourtech.com. That's the 24hourtech.com. Until next week, stay warm, stay dry, stay connected.